If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Hey, my friends, welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to join us for this podcast because you know, we here at the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, we know that. You have many podcasts to choose from when you decide to listen to podcasts, and we want to thank you for choosing The Heretic Happy Hour. My name is Keith Giles. I'm the author of several books, including um, the one about to be released any moment now, which is uh, Jesus Unexpected. It's about the end times and the second coming of Christ. Um, And I'm also joined here by uh, my co-hosts. I'll let them introduce themselves in a minute. But I also need to make sure I let you know that this is the first episode in a brand new series about conspiracy theories. That's right. Bring it on, baby. The truth will be exposed. You heard it here first. All right, guys. Introduce yourselves and say hi to our listeners. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm the author of Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control in a Pauline Community. But I feel like my whole life has prepared me when I heard that X-Files sound music go off for this very moment and talking about conspiracy theories. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, I have tingles. From what? <laughs> this, the theme song, dude. Oh, 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 sorry. We're finally, sorry. we're finally doing this conspiracy I know. Thing. The 90s are alive and I'm happy yeah. about it. Bring it on. Yeah. Well, I am Derek Day. I'm author of Deconstructing Religion. I'm a professional asshole and I'm just happy to be here. This conspiracy thing, man, I'm built for this shit. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like, uh, and, and I'm Matt DiStefano, uh, the fourth and least favorite of all the hosts. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm an unprofessional asshole, but I am, freelance. I don't know. I don't, freelance. Yeah, that's right. Just <laughs> keeping that tally, Matt. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a this is a weird time. There's a lot of conspiracy things going on right now, so I think this is a perfect time to jump into this series. So I'm super stoked for it, and super stoked to be with you all. We it's been a while since we recorded, so uh, let's get into it, man. Yeah, buddy. Well, in case you want to reach us, we have a hotline that you can exercise finger dexterity to reach the Heretic Happy Hour crew, and that number is two four zero three four three. 7379. Once again, it's 240-343-7379. Get some weight lifting going for that index finger, y'all. And we have a text. With that being said, roll that beautiful text footage. So we have from an anonymous texter. So first off, Love your podcast, and so far everything I've read and watched is eye-opening at the least, if not mind-blowing and freeing. Huh. What's really weighing on me right now is what is starting to surface regarding the normalization of pedophilia. Would like to hear your thoughts on the matter. Frankly, it scares me if pedophilia would be a sexual norm in humanity. So, uh, anonymous texter, thank you for weighing in on that. and. To the team, yeah. Thanks for thanks for just handing that right off to us, uh, Derek. <laughs> wow. Hey. So I got to say, I think this is probably the most. Um, I don't know. What do you say? This, this question is uh, kind of out of left field here. Uh, you know, I guess I know what you mean. I I sort of have 
sort of out of the corner of my eye have seen uh, people sharing posts about the normalization of pedophilia. Um, honestly, to me, um, at least so far, it seems that most of the sources, quote unquote, sources for these those kinds of news um, articles about the normalization of pedophilia, I, they don't seem to be coming from what I would call reputable sources. Right. Um, and so it, it starts to feel to me like what it is, is someone sort of fear mongering and trying to stir up uh, people to get them upset and angry about something that might not actually be a thing. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is a thing and I'm just not aware of it. One of the things that kind of, I guess I get my, my crank gets turned a little by things like this because uh, this was supposed to be the part of the slippery slope that when we, oh, yeah. when we say okay, that, uh, you know, it was okay for, um, you know, for LGBTQs to marry, that this would be the next thing. And, and, right. and so I'll call bullshit on that because basically what the deal is, is that when we talk about sex, right, we're, you know, sex between consenting adults is between consenting adults. It's, right. you know, nobody's business except for the parties involved, right? But with children, children are, are exempt from that because they don't have the mental capacity or the maturity to make the informed consensual decisions that would be involving sex. So, so, so basically, when, when, uh, when I think of pedophilia and, and, and this whole thing, I'm thinking of this in the, in the framework of uh, we're talking about conspiracy theories and here we are, right? Mm -hmm. you know, yep. the, the pizza shop uh, theories and the QAnon yes. and all of that stuff. And, and honestly, it, in my opinion, it's a non-issue because no one in their right mind is going to say, <laughs> I'm honestly, no one. In no, the you're right. You're right. No, you know, sex with kids is cool. That's, that's just right. Up. I don't care how you slice it. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried about this becoming a norm. What I, yeah, it, part of this is interesting because my whole book is actually about non-consent sexuality and how I believe that Paul was um, trying to take care of people in his community who did, who could not consent. Yeah, to sex, um, including enslaved people, including children, including a whole host of people in the ancient world. So yeah, I, I'm kind of on the on the bandwagon of like really trace our sources. Who does it benefit to um, sensationalize normalization of pedophilia? Because it's usually an attack on like yeah on on lefties or on people that are part of this gender sexual minority crowd. What I am interested in though is normalizing care for people who realized they were abused as children right? and taking that stigma away and providing really competent care and trauma recovery for those. That's, that's really important. I mean, yeah. we yeah. really need to do that. We, it, it, and, and I think that there is a dearth, that's a fancy word for lack. Uh, <laughs> of, Thank you. you know, of, of really good um, uh empathy and compassion for people that have gone through that. And, and I, and I think that we need that we need to do better with our outreach toward people who have suffered that kind of abuse. Yeah. I think, I think in this text, um, the term normalization gets a little bit confused because they're, or get a little bit confusing because there are, there are some people who are going to those sensationalist articles, Keith, that you mentioned that, that really aren't, um, credible sources. And there's always going to be, um, like, fringe people um trying to like yeah normalizing this as a behavior in society and we're in such a day and age i don't know if it's social media i don't know if it's just 
our, our access to information and and going for sensationalist head headlines and, and seeing those all the time, then we see it because people like to share those kind of things. And then we think it's going to be normalized in terms of an actual like behavior that we engage in in society. I'm all for normalizing it in terms of like being able to treat it or being yeah. able to help people who, who are oriented that way, if that's the right term. Mm -hmm. um, so if it, it, if it, if it removes like the fact that they're like, awful, totally depraved in the Augustinian sense of the word pieces of shit. Like, I don't want that to be a thing either. But at the same time, like, addressing it as a mental health issue, maybe? Yeah, totally. And I, so I, back in, back in my see, very young adulthood, I worked for a year for a social work office. And the only clients that the, um, that the therapy um, received were people who had committed um, sexual crimes. So people who had violated someone else's consent and treatment is needed, right? So if someone believes that they have, you know, that they're, they're oriented this way, or, you know, that if that's the normalization that we're talking about, or they have this desire, they don't want to hurt someone. We need options for people to be able to receive um, therapy around that. And Can so that part's really important. There, and I, and I want to be very careful with that is that when we talk about oriented that way, because that's a poor word choice on my part. Yeah, I, I don't ever want to juxtapose, compare, or or conflate uh, pedophilia with with LGBTQ. It's right. not. No, this, yeah, this is uh, not an orientation. This is somebody that's got some fucked up things going on yes. in their head, yes. and and they need help. That's that's what this is. So so you know, I, I want to be careful in, in using words like orientation because what I don't what I don't want to do is 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 try to fan the flames of um, of discrimination or oppression against uh, yes. LGBTQ. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, um, yeah, I don't want to stigmatize any kind, any, any, uh, any sexual orientation. Yeah. I don't think pedophilia is a sexual orientation, right? but it is the result of probably deep trauma on those mm -hmm. individuals part, but we do need ways to talk. I think what I'm going, um, wanting, wanting to communicate is we need ways to um, communicate that unhealthy desire in a professional setting where yeah. people can, um, explore alternates before someone gets harmed. And, and Katie, I didn't want you to think I was correcting you. That's not what oh, no, I, I know. No, no. My, my point is I wanted to try to save you from a potential ass kicking down the road. Because, Thank you. Yeah. Look at that. So yes, we'll address it on our podcast, Derek. The Valentine's Day. <laughs> exactly. Valentine's Day podcast. All right. I want to introduce our, our heretic. This is a really special guest. The, um, heretic that we have coming up wrote a book and at the end of 2019 this was on one of the best of nonfiction books so I happened to pick it up was completely enthralled with it just loved it the book is called in the valleys of the noble beyond you're going to hear all about it and I was just so thrilled when we reached out to this author and he agreed to come on as our heretic it's the heretic of the week my name is John Zada and some people might take me to be a heretic Hi, Hi, John. John. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, John. I'm I am so especially enthusiastic, happy to have you here because I read your book in the Valleys of the Noble Beyond, which was published in 2019 by Grove Atlantic, and I read it at the end of 2019, and it was the best book by far that I read in the whole year. So I'm so enthusiastic to have you here. And uh, just tell us, why would some people call you a heretic? Hmm. 
Well, I'm a, I guess for lack of a better word, mainstream journalist. I'm a writer. I'm a photographer, uh, sometimes travel writer. Um, I do a bit of work at a television news station here in Toronto, Canada. And so, I mean, um, certain subjects are, I guess, considered, you know, you know, taboo in the field of journalism, like fringe topics, like stuff like the paranormal or, um, you know, controversial knowledge issues like Sasquatch and that kind of thing. So I think, um, I think, you know, people, when they, when they consider mainstream writers, they, they don't really, you know, think of them as tackling these sort of subjects. And so, um, I took some time off and traveled to the west coast of Canada and spent some time with indigenous people out there investigating Sasquatch reports. And so when people tend to hear the topic of Sasquatch and they think about somebody who wrote a book about it, um, even though they may be a journalist, they're, they're automatically thinking, oh, you know, this guy is, you know, a bit off of his head and or he's, you know, um, trying to prove <laughs> the existence of Sasquatch. And so, I mean, I, there were a lot of raised eyebrows over the years whenever I spoke with people, including my colleagues. And, um, you know, some of them reacted, you know, quite, uh, you know, nonchalantly and weren't really phased by it. Others, I think, probably scratched their heads and were kind of like, oh, what's he up to? So um, that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Wow. So, um, wow, this is a fascinating topic, by the way. And so... So it seems like though you took a slightly different angle, uh, like kind of attacking or approaching this topic of the Sasquatch. Like you said, you weren't really looking to prove one way or the other whether Sasquatch existed. You wanted to kind of approach it from um, a kind of a different angle. So, like how how did you approach it? Yeah, well, I I grew up, you know, reading books about the subject as a kid, and you know you get two varieties of, of, of books that have been written throughout the years. The vast majority of them or the majority of them are books by enthusiasts who are convinced that the creatures exist. And, um, they write these, these, you know, these tomes that are a kind of an unfurling of the evidence kind of thing. Right. And so, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got, you've, you know, you have the few odd skeptical books that are a bit more recent. And I, I was, I, I wanted to, I really did want to go and find out one way or the other, whether there was a reality to this, but as the journey unfolded, both the, the actual literal travel journey and also the literary journey, I, I, I began to, to see the possibility of, um, not this kind of binary one or the other black or white, um, attempt to either prove or disprove, but to kind of look at both, you know, arguments and everything in between and around it. And so, um, that, that seemed to be, to, you know, to be a much more rich approach to the whole thing. And just to kind of explore what does the Sasquatch mean as a symbol and what does it tell us about ourselves? What does it tell us about our belief systems? Um, and all of that, because there's so much more there to, uh, you know, to, to be explored. Yeah. So this isn't Harry and the Hendersons. This isn't an episode of the <laughs> X-Files. This is not monster of monster hunting of the week. I mean, even what you just said now, that little snippet, it's so, this is such a deep topic. So tell us, you know, maybe you can give us just a one minute, two minute review of like, what, what are the possibilities of the meaning of Sasquatch beyond this binary, you know, um, binary yes or no within the cultures that you explored. Right, right. Well, and that's, and that's something that I, you know, come to at the end of the journey, at the end of the quest towards the end of the story in the book. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I won't really reveal all of it per se, but I think, I think generally speaking by about halfway into my journey, 
um, when it becomes when it becomes apparent to me that um, I'm not going to know the answer one way or the other. I mean, unless I actually see one, and if the creatures do exist, it is so rare to see one because um, you know they are so avoidant of humans that um, I decide to kind of focus my journey on um, looking at um, you know what what does it tell us about the nature of perception? Like, what does it tell us about what does the Sasquatch uh, tell us about how we see reality? And so I kind of I begin to unfurl a bit of the science behind, you know, um, how we see things in the external world. Um, it tells us about, about cognition, um, you know, and, and, and belief and, and also like why we seek out the Sasquatch. And I mean, I, I think, and that becomes kind of more the focus towards the climax of the book, because then I related back to me as a protagonist. I mean, why am I searching for it? And so, um, there's so much in terms of motive there, because I mean, people, if you talk to any Sasquatch enthusiast, they will, you know, maybe perhaps to some degree explain their interest in it. Oh, this is such an amazing thing. It's this undiscovered animal. This is so cool. And, but, but I mean, it, the reasons could, can really span uh, a whole variety from uh, seeking out adventure to um, uh, wanting to have, I guess, uh, you know, a deeper sense of purpose in kind of uncovering something that is unknown or something that is mysterious to, you know, perhaps even, um, in a way, kind of seeking a symbol, which is, which is something closer to a deity or, or, or a god or a superhero type figure. Because, mm-hmm. this, you know, the Sasquatch is, is this, you know, humanoid being of uh, incredible ability that can appear and disappear at will, seemingly uh, incredible physical strength, ability to move around quietly, to... Um, almost kind of commune psychically with nature in a way. And so like, I, I think, I think a lot of people, although being drawn to the creature don't really, aren't really conscious enough of why they are. And so the book was an exploration of all those types of ideas and it, it became such. So uh, that's I mean, even Rukali, <laughs> John, this is so interesting because mm. I think you are definitely taking this in a very different direction than most people I've ever heard talk about this topic have taken it just, you know, kind of getting into the deeper psychological, you know, uh, like it's almost like in some ways, yes, you're talking about Sasquatch, but in a way you're kind of talking about me. You're talking about us, like humanity, like why, what, what in us uh, is fascinated by the Sasquatch? What is it? uh, What does it say about us Mm -hmm. that we are so fascinated by the Sasquatch and, Mm -hmm. and that there are some sort of deeper psychologically, maybe even spiritual themes uh, connected to this phenomenon, whether you, and and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's almost like whether or not Sasquatch is real or not real is almost irrelevant to that discussion. Well, yes, because, um, in a way you can apply, the Sasquatch can also be other things. It can be ghosts, it can be UFOs, it can be, I mean, you could replace the Sasquatch as a symbol with other similar type phenomenon. I, I just, I mean, I think each, I think each one differs in that it appeals slightly differently to, to different people because of um, what, you know, if people are really interested in space, for instance, it'll be more of a UFO thing. But then you also get people who combine them and everything. And so, yes, I mean, ultimately it does relate to, um, you know, the, the, the propensity of, I guess, the human being and the human mind to, um, it's what we're seeking out, essentially. It's, it's about our needs, really, right? And I think that's, um, 
um, you know, even if it turns out that there is one, one gets hit by a truck one day and they find it on the side of the road. I mean, it still doesn't change the fact that people were drawn to it, not really knowing whether they existed or not. And people went out on a, on a limb with a kind of faith thinking or, or perhaps even concluding in their own minds beyond a shadow of a doubt that it does exist. Yeah. I, I love that kind of, it feels like a quest, like where mm. there's something very universal about our desire to have this quest to have the unknown uh, be either a mystery or become known or that kind of in-between space. But I, one thing that really I just loved um, within the book was the the respect that you paid to First Nation mm-hmm. um, people. And I just got, as a learner, just got to learn a lot about um, the Pacific Northwest in Canada. I'm probably, that's probably the name we use in the U.S. In Canada, it's BC, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the BC area. And so, but like some, just as, just as an intro, uh, what, what struck me was some of the tribes that you spoke with the Sasquatch is like when you need an answer, sometimes the Sasquatch will appear and that gives you confirmation, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. But then for some tribes, it was like, you need to make a change in your life. Mm-hmm. Sasquatch has appeared to tell you to like do a 180. Right. So I'm kind of curious, you know, so the, the, there are also those real deep cultural roots mm-hmm. that maybe don't apply to other, other mysteries uh, that we talk about. So yeah, I wonder if you could just explore a little bit about what your interactions were like and the kind of spirituality is tied to the land, tied to the people. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so when you travel to this part of Canada, the province is called British Columbia. It's, it's maybe the size of California, Oregon, and Washington put together. It's a huge area. I was, I went to a place known as the Great Bear Rainforest, which is, which is perhaps one of the most pristine wilderness regions, um, certainly in Canada, but also possibly in the world. You have a whole bunch of uh, a cluster of small First Nation communities, we call them that here in Canada, uh, indigenous tribes that live in in um, various parts of the coast. And so throughout their, I guess, their, their known history, um, these creatures have existed. Uh, and they go by different names in different places, uh, but they tend to be fairly similar. They differ slightly as you as you travel further from one area to another, but they tend to be humanoid. They tend to be covered in hair, uh, all of the same qualities that you hear in Bigfoot Sasquatch type lore by uh, non-native people, basically. And so um, what they, te- I mean, it, it's, it's hard to kind of describe the ideas or the, or the beliefs uh, as being uniform because they differ from place to place. But I mean, generally speaking, they are supernatural um, they are kind of tied to the land, to, to nature. They're, they're stewards of nature in some way. Some people consider, some communities consider them to be more benign, not dangerous, uh, helpful. Others consider them to be a bit more troublesome. And, um, I think what ends up generally happening is whenever somebody sees one, um, it's, it's such a powerful, shocking, almost even traumatic experience, again, not unlike what happens with non-native people, that um, people have to kind of make sense of it in some way after the fact. And I think that, that um, um, you know, like either individually people come up with their own explanations as to why they've seen them. Um, sometimes the ideas are a bit more ingrained in the culture that uh, have been around for a long time. And so, yes, I mean, I think, I think there's, um, in, you know, in one community that I visited, uh, if you are going through a difficult period in your life in which you need, there is some reckoning required or some decision or some change, 
um, seeing one will, will be confirmation of that or indicate that to you, for instance. Um, uh, the same will happen in another community, except that by seeing one, it's not that necessarily you have a chance to change or better yourself. It's that seeing the, the Sasquatch is perhaps a kind of almost a death sentence or a kind of a curse. And so um, it, it differs from place to place. And it also differs from individual to individual. I mean, some people in some of these communities don't believe in a supernatural component to the creatures. They think it's just a flesh and blood animal. Um, and so it, it really, really does depend where you're going. But on the whole, there is a kind of sense of deeper purpose and meaning to the creatures and having seen them. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not just about, yeah, it's not, it's not about their existence. It's about the relationship of the meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the individual it's, and it's, and you know, and I mean, I mean, you have to, you also have to bear in mind too, that, you know, these are also communities and cultures, just like in the United States where you have a long tradition of storytelling, you have a, a, a whole pantheon of creatures. Most of them are, are, are animals that we know from, from the wilderness, but also there are also other beings that are, that are not kind of, um, that are not part of, let's say the terrestrial earth, uh, you know, um, animal world, let's say, and everything. So, I mean, it, it, it's part of that larger, larger kind of narrative or, or, or storytelling tradition. And so, um, they fit into that basically. Yeah. You know what I think was so amazing, John, as you were talking about how there's one Sasquatch, but there's different tribes and each of them have their own stories that they tell based on basically how they individually are trying, or maybe their ancestors who encountered Sasquatch, you know, first sort of tried to interpret meaning to those encounters. And I think that is just an amazing metaphor for kind of like all religious experience. Like I, I can think of, you know, this is also, you can take it to the, to like maybe the Christian side of things or Jewish Judeo Christian side of things. It's like, you know, there's one God, but someone might have an experience with God that was terrifying. And so to mm -hmm. that person, they would tell you God is this terrible, horrible, wrathful being and how a terrible thing to, to be in his presence. So someone else might have an experience of the same God mm -hmm. and be filled with love and peace and joy and light. And that person would say, oh, no, God is a God of love and peace and joy and light. But it's the same God. It's just everybody's having different experiences of the same, you know, the same uh, entity. But because they, they, they've experienced it a different way, they filtered it a different way. And then, then that story gets told and retold and retold and retold and, and then sort of seeps into mm -hmm. the culture as if this is the only way to know or see or experience this being. And it's so fascinating. This is exactly the same kind of a thing I think we see happen through many other cultures and many other religious experiences. Well, yeah, I mean, I think any powerful experience will elicit a, a very emotional response. But I mean, I think also, too, um, you know, the individual will project their own state onto right. what they saw. So, I mean, I, I mean, you, you hear some people who claim to have a very, um, you know, beautiful experience and that, okay, well, you know, they were out in the woods, they might have been berry picking and then they, you know, they circled around the bush and then they turned around something they thought was watching them. And then they, they look and they see this creature and, and they describe what is essentially a kind of this, this sort of timeless moment where they're communing with this other being and the being appears, you know, curious and benevolent and kind. And then it just walks away and it's almost, and you, you could almost tell from the, from the interpretation that, okay, maybe there were, 
in their mind circumstances that led them to that conclusion. But in this, but at the same time, it's also maybe in the person's character or personality or inner development that they've gotten to a place where they're not really frightened by very much. Maybe they may, they may not fear yeah. death. They may not fear death. So, and so by seeing a Sasquatch, you're not afraid that it's going to kill them or something. Whereas somebody who maybe is of a different, um, mold psychologically, um, may, may see it in the complete opposite way and, and think, you know, I thought this thing was going to rip my head off and kill me. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> you know I mean, and, 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 you know, I'm, to be fair to, 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 you know, to, to these people who are into this topic and who've studied it, both native and non-native, I mean, they will say that, you know, well, there are also, this creature is a species, you get good ones, you get bad ones, you get nasty ones, you get friendly ones. And so, you, you know, your, your experience is also going to depend yeah. on, on that. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a different detail, but yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And the, you know, even in the deconstruction process for, for Christians and, I think too of how many how many people have told me like they interpreted they used to interpret everything bad that happened to them as like the devil or as right. demon. Right. And then as they go on their journey, they may be having similar experiences, but their interpretation changes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yep. like, yeah, yep. over the course yep. of our lives, we have all these experiences that we interpret, reinterpret, and re-experience. Yeah. And what I also think is fascinating too, and to back up a little bit to something you said, uh, way, way back in the beginning here, John, you, you were kind of talking about how for some tribes or maybe some individual people who had encounters, the Sasquatch could be either a sort of almost a sign of repentance that, or a Sasquatch could be a sign from God or a confirmation of something or a warning of something. And again, it's, that's so fascinating because I don't think any of us normally think of a Sasquatch as any of those things, but it's fascinating to think of like the indigenous people who are living on the land, who are much closer to nature, who are interacting with, uh, you know, grizzly bears and otters and beavers and eagles and everything else, that for them to have an encounter with this Sasquatch mm-hmm. would would have this kind of meaning for them. Mm-hmm. Again, like the idea that a Sasquatch could be a sign of a need to repent or change mm-hmm. their minds or, or, or the Sasquatch should be a, a warning or a sign from God or a confirmation of something that in itself is really fascinating. And I, you know, I've never heard anybody say I was out hunting with my buddies and I saw a Sasquatch and I knew I had to sell my house and move to Canada. Like, <laughs> right. Well, it's, well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I, I mean, even, you know, even if you, even if you talk to non-native people who have had encounters, I mean, if you go into that whole, you know, non-indigenous world, I mean, you, you, you may not get the religious, interpretation aspect to it but you certainly do get a kind of a life-changing oh yeah um you know um event that 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 is expressed in to, to the point where you can get people who decide to pursue the creature for the rest of their lives and devote everything to it including their money and their life savings and to the point where they would break their family relationships up to um to you know people who Okay, maybe they they w- wouldn't pursue it as an interest, but it would change it would change the way they see the world, kind of thing. So, I mean, th- there is there is that theme or that thread yeah. running through all cultures who have that kind of an experience because it's so jolting in a way. Yes. Well, and how long did you spend in BC with in your travels to mm. research the book? So. Um, I went on. I went on several occasions. I mean, the 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 journey, the story of the journey, uh, the journey itself uh, that was recounted was about three months, 
And, um, but I had gone a few weeks before the year before I went to go work on a magazine assignment and that's where I decided to return to write a book about it. And then after the, 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 the main trip, I went back several times to, um, do further research to write the book. I actually like wrote part of it there in a cabin. Um, so like I spent a lot of time going back there and, and because I, I realized after the first, the main trip that I, that I didn't really kind of know enough to do the book justice. So I, I went back for more. Okay. Well, part of what, part of what I'm just the whole concept that I'm loving about the concept, um, especially when John, when you were talking about, you know, going out into the woods and we, we do feel vulnerable and part of like a, a search for Sasquatch and really, I think the biggest conspiracy theory is that Sasquatch has been taken away from the native, the first people's first nations peoples and made into some kind of commodity mm-hmm. of searching mm-hmm. of, of, of kind of monster quest that, that is not indicative of the experience that you describe in the book or of the embeddedness of Sasquatch in first nation culture. Um, so that, that maybe is the biggest conspiracy theory about what, what Sasquatch, how, how we commercialize this somehow, but this is also, you know, a highly intelligent creature. The, the descriptions that, that you describe that, that Keith just described too. And so it reminds us we're not as smart as we think we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, maybe predator might be a good, um, yeah, a good word, but like, this, this whole quest reminds me, like, I'm not nearly as um, significant, although I think we're all significant, but like within the cosmos, there are really cool, undiscovered, beautiful, terrible things. Right. And I mean, I, I mean, it, and it doesn't, one can even distill it further and, and almost say that in a sense, Sasquatch is a, you know, um, is a personification or in a sense, a a distillation of, um, you know, um, nature, nature in and of itself, like the, like, like, like the, the, the sublime aspects of nature that people who go hiking or who go camping or who spend time in the forest come back and tell their friends about those moments that they can't quite communicate. They're ineffable in a way. And and some people even call it the kind of the the divine. And so, I mean, in, in a sense, maybe, maybe we're giving those phenomena a kind of form by describing them as a kind of wild, hairy, untamed wild man or wild woman or wilderness creature in a sense. We're, we're, we're trying to kind of almost capture or, or, or encapsulate or give form to something which is otherwise kind of almost impossible to describe like god itself perhaps and that's why i equate to sasquatch with 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 a deep with a deity type being because they kind of in a way represent the same thing yeah okay wait wait continue that thought <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so intriguing you can't leave us with that like sasquatch as a deity type creature <laughs> well i mean you know anybody who, who who spends time outdoors or who 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 loves who's drawn to being outside and who goes to the mountains or who goes hiking or who goes camping um, and who wakes up at sunrise to, you know, see this beautiful uh, scene of splendor. Like when you're out in nature, there's this kind of connectedness or connectivity, this kind of oneness with the, the entirety of nature, with the entirety of creation, let's say. And, and those moments kind of um, 
they're hard to describe, right? I mean, they're hard, they're hard, they really are hard to, it, it's hard to kind of come back from a really, really amazing trip in the desert, even for instance, it doesn't have to be a forest and say, you know, I, I had this incredible moment on the sand dune where kind of everything kind of made sense to me. And I, I really kind of like, un, you know, understood kind of the, you know, in a sense, the Sasquatch is a kind of symbol of that, but also God is a kind of symbol of that too. God, God is a kind of thing that we give form to that is kind of representative of the mystery of the universe, right? And in a sense, the Sasquatch is too. The Sasquatch is, in a sense, us projected into that kind of, um, into that milieu in a way, right? And, and you know, so um, uh, that's how, that is it to me is its most um, powerful manifestation is, is, a, is as a symbol of the mystery of life, the mystery of the universe, the the mysteries of the forest the mysteries of the ecosystem um and it and because in a way like we we always kind of do seem to need to give um the world form right like i mean it's it, so I, mean, I think that's part of the nature of the human mind is to kind of represent experience because um we can't we can never really convey something as we felt it I love that. So, and it's so true. I think of, um, I just, I know that's true of my own spiritual experiences. Words can't, yeah, they can't do it. No. And, yeah. and, 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 it. and who knows, perhaps, um, perhaps when, uh, and I mean, when somebody is in a kind of wilderness setting and their, you know, their mind is somehow kind of, um, uh, they're a bit more relaxed in some ways and, and, and just the visual spectrum is affecting their brain. I mean, perhaps their mind is picking up on something that uh, doesn't exist in their repertoire of patterns. And perhaps they give, they give form to that as a Sasquatch. And so the, again, these are the things that I kind of explore in the book that are, that, that, that tend to not get, I guess, looked at in the more conventional takes on the subject. Yeah. John, this has been the most fascinating conversation and the way more cool than I even expected it could possibly have been. Because, you know, it's, what you just said right there was so cool because, uh, again, in terms of deconstructing our faith, you know, a lot of times what uh, I will talk to people about is, you know, we have to move from certainty. We have to start embracing mystery. We can't claim that when it comes to God that we know everything. We don't know anything, right? We have to admit that God is so far beyond our understanding. Yes, so then that means I can't claim that I know anything really about God. I can say I'm, I sort of believe right now, but I could change my mind as I continue to grow and mature in, in, my, in my understanding and faith. But I, ever, I never want to get to the place where the cement is dry and I would say, well, that I know everything about God. And yet, so, so keeping that, I love that it's kind of a metaphor for the Sasquatch because um, it's almost like you were saying, like, you know, with the Sasquatch thing, like, we are we are driven to know, and I know people that are so like you said they have they'll lose their life savings to like they want to shoot one of these things and catch it and put it on the you know the six o'clock mm. news because and that to me is the same kind of a mindset of somebody who says like some fundamentalist Christian who says I know for a fact this is exactly who God is and there is no question about it because the opposite of faith is not doubt it's certainty certainty yes, and it's, thank and, you. And, how crazy that the Sasquatch is actually a metaphor for that. I never would have even gone there, but that's kind of exactly what you've made me realize. That's really cool. That's exactly it. And, and, I, and I think, again, going back to all these sorts of religions and, 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 and 
the go- various gods. I mean, and, you know, they are they are symbols, right? And they're 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 symbols that are designed to make inaccessible things accessible and easy to understand, easier to understand, um, and to kind of give them a kind of a more sort of um, terrestrial form. But in a sense, but at the end of the day, they're still symbols, and and that yeah. applies, I think, to the Sasquatch too. Well, and as a, uh, maybe as a, um, <laughs> to, to bring this back around to the Christian experience, the incarnation of Jesus in human form is you know, really central, right, to the Christian experience. Mm-hmm. But I, I love this, that um, for for Jesus followers, well, listeners, you can debate me, but for Jesus followers, that um, the, the physicality of Jesus is really important, but Jesus is not limited to that. And right. like this parallel with, with um, Sasquatch spirit and the spiritual journey is so striking to me. So I, I can't mm. wait to continue mm. to explore that my own, my own soul space. Yeah. So John, um, is there, how can people, um, find out about like your book or you, and are you working on any new projects that we should be aware of? Or? Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm writing something right now about, um, about, that's more of a, a work about journalism and the news and the media and its effect on, uh, society and our perception of reality. And so th- that's sort of still kind of in the, that's still in the process of being um, de- done. And so I'm going to sort of keep the, keep the, um, the, the, the lid on that a little bit still for the moment. Sure. So, um, but uh, people, if they want to sort of learn more, I mean, I've got a website, it's John, J O H N Zada, Z A D A.com. I've got like a lot of my travel writing and journalism and, 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 photo side and all the kind of stuff that journal that I as a journalist do accessible there. And, um, of course the book is available on, you know, anywhere you can buy books online on Amazon and at local bookstores and everything. And I, I think my, 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 my original publisher was in, is in the U S and so, um, the book is widely available there where, where I think most, if not all your audience is. Yeah. Well, John, again, thank you so very thank much you for so this much. incredibly stimulating and inspiring conversation. Uh, thank you for this book. Thank you for your time. And uh, wow, this has been a great journey. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah. Wow. You know what? That, that interview was just way more cool and deep and spiritual and profound than I thought it could possibly be having a conversation about a big hairy monster that lives in the woods. I am so happy that John could come on the podcast. He could talk to us about this, that we could talk about Sasquatch as this deeply spiritual thing and not only as monster hunting. Yada, yada, yada. I want to thank you guys for not inviting me to the party. <laughs> yeah, Derek. Hey, Derek, when are we going to start our own podcast, man? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so, so what, uh, I don't know. What, what is that? You know, we could be like psych, you know, black and tan. You know, you could be black and I could be tan. A black and tan, isn't, isn't, that a, isn't that a drink? That's a yes. drink, right? It's, it's yeah. a drink and an Irish military unit. Yeah, right. Black and tan. And, and, you have and lots you of topics. To, you're, you're the blackest dude on this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Derek is tan. <laughs> hey, can can it, can we have that as my bio on the website? We have to <laughs> you can yeah, change man. it if you want. Sure. <laughs> we'll have to talk to the producer about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know it. But uh, but uh, man, what a, what a great um, what a great segue! What a great heretic of the week to lead us into kicking off the meat of this conspiratorial series. And uh, we, we talked Squatch, and, and we're also going to get into other stuff like Nessie, 
get into Loch Ness. I don't know if it's technically a conspiracy. I don't know if Squatch is technically a conspiracy. <laughs> right. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into Flat Earth. Um, and that's definitely a conspiracy. Oh, that yes. I, love, I love Flat Earth. One, man. That shit makes me laugh so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you want to want to kick this one off. Maybe we can. Maybe we can just kick the whole thing off by by talking about like you know get, getting our Derrida on and talking about what is a conspiracy, making sure we're talking about the same thing. Well, Make I sure mean, we're yeah, there's a unity of the word. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah, I mean, you could do, go in and do that. Well, I don't want to do that. I was kicking the oh. can. Well, you know, every everybody wants to have some some secret information, something that they know that nobody else knows. And 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 when you share with a few friends, then it becomes the privileged cabal. You know that mm-hmm. they they get to um, have this privileged information that nobody else uh, has. And so when they when they share it, they kind of portray themselves as people who they have something that no one else has. So, Hey, look at me, listen to me, you know? <laughs> and, and that's, that's pretty much where conspiracy theories, I think where they start. Yeah. It's kind of Gnostic in its orientation. Like you got some special knowledge that no yep. one else has. Or someone, someone has a special knowledge and it's yeah. being covered up, being hidden. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, and, and so it's, it's funny because when you talk about conspiracies, like, like a big one that's somewhat recently, although it's almost 20 years removed is nine 11. And when, when people talk about that as a conspiracy theory, it's like, well, in one way, I would say someone conspired to do something. So then it's like, what is the conspiracy theory we were talking about? Because then you get into like the nuts and bolts of it. And there's a lot of different beliefs within each conspiracy theory. Sure. So, so that's true with like Flat Earth, which we're going to talk about today. Like Flat Earthers disagree with each other on the cosmology and all this and where the cover ups are. And I've I've heard I've heard listen to like flat earthers call each other stupid about which of their flat earth theory is stupid. Which is so beautifully like, ironic, isn't it? Oh, I, love, like, I love it. It's, it's so just funny to great. Me. Oh yeah, like so. All right, so let's just. Uh, I think we agree. I mean, maybe technically Sasquatch and Nessie and is not you know really a conspiracy in the sense like to me a conspiracy is. There's some some information that powerful people don't want the rest of us to know, right. and then that's like. That would be like, you know, the UFOs or the moon landing or JFK assassination or even Lincoln assassination. Like there's always these, oh yeah, but there's someone who knows the truth about this and they don't want you to know because if you found out the truth, that would just be chaos or they would lose power and control. And that, to me, that's like the classic conspiracy theory. Sasquatch and Nessie kind of get lumped into that, kind of in that world, I suppose. It gets lumped into fringe. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, um... What, which one do we want to jump into first, guys? We have basically, we've, we've kind of mentioned a couple of these. Do I we kind of jump? want to just like pull of the room, like who who believes it? I do too. I do too. Well, do we, should, we, but let's, should we do that with each, with each uh, like after we talk about each one, can we do that? Like, yeah. so let's talk about Flat Earth and then we'll talk about it and then we'll, then we'll say like, okay, who believes it and who thinks it's bullshit? <laughs> you know, what, what we need is like a bullshit meter. There you go. That's right. Well, do we want to start with which one? We start with Sasquatch, Loch Ness. Let's pick something. Well, let, let's start, let's start with Squatch since okay. uh, since we had our guest and it it you know it's kind of what was talked about. Um, let, well, let's just say I I don't I, I'm very agnostic on whether Sasquatch is an actual being. I don't mm-hmm. know. Have you looked and, I, and I don't care. Have you? Uh, have I, you... I, I watched Harry and the Hendersons. So. No, no. I mean, have you? Have you? <laughs> no, been... I, no. I mean, yeah, like Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan's yeah. big on it. Um, yeah. I, I have. Um, some of the stories are interesting. Some of the encounters or so-called encounters are interesting. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that there's no 
actual evidence. Like, like this motherfucker's hiding really, really fucking good. And I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know how good you can hide for forever. There's a lot. There's too many fucking people in the world. Yeah. 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 And technology well, too good now too. I mean, you know, right. Fuck, they have heat detectors and all of this other stuff. There, you you have to. It, I have trouble wrapping my mind around this. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just come on and out and let everybody let the world know. I, I kind of lean towards that. I do believe it's real. Um, oh, oh, all right, here we go. And, and I've even, I've even gotten to the point of thinking, you know what? Like one day I should just get like a, a night vision scope on a 30 odd six rifle and go out in the woods and like show all these things and bring it home. Um, cause that's the only way I believe anyone's going to actually prove it is if, if we really do, you're going to have to kill one and, and then like pull the body out and show it to people. But, uh, that, but I also understand that if it, if, if they are real, there's, they are usually there's families of them. There's not just one lone Sasquatch. So, um, quite a few of the people that have seen them have seen two or three of them at a time and have been sort of chased by them. So um, what I recognize is that if I did shoot one of them, even if I successfully killed one of them, the rest of them would beat the living crap out of me and I would never escape the forest alive. So maybe that's a bad idea. But I do lean on the field. I do think, and here's why, because, because this uh, sort of legend of these creatures, it's global. It's not just in North America. It is in you know, in the Alps, it's in the Andes, it's in China, it's in, uh, I mean, South America, like there have, and going back hundreds of years, we're talking legends that go back hundreds of years, describing pretty much the same creature. And, and these kinds of testimonies continue even to the, to this day. Then post and look, that shit on YouTube. Well, <laughs> right. And, and I think again, now it, I, I agree. That's been, YouTube, so it must that, be true, right? But then, no, I mean, but let, let's say, right. The, the the hard evidence right has been very slim very hard to come by and i will i will concede that there have been hoaxes there have been people who wanted so badly to prove it that they, they have fake stuff um and that doesn't help the story or, at all right that doesn't make it more believable at all um and and if, actually in our interview we talked a little bit about some of the reasons why um the sasquatch are are have been so hard to detect i think they're really intelligent I think they're very, um, very afraid of, 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 very wary of humans. They see us as a predator. They see us killing and eating other animals um, in their habitat, and those they learn to stay away from us. They're very, very good at that. Um, they, uh, I believe, they have heightened senses and abilities that are similar to what we what we recognize in creatures like deer, um, or even as um, John mentioned in the interview, like what, uh, what was it? He called it infrasound which is something that tigers have. And so, and again, this is consistent with a lot of the, the uh, testimonials people have had. I guess for those reasons, I, I tend to lean on, I think they're real. I'm not going to say they are. I, they absolutely are. I wouldn't say I know they are. Maybe they're not, but I just think, I think there, there's more evidence that they are that, that there's, than there's not. So I'm also a little agnostic, but my threshold for weather like sets I'm putting I'm putting real in air quotes every time I say it. I think <laughs> no, until episode, whether Sasquatch is real or whether Nessie is real. My threshold for that is really low. I mean, like I don't really care, I think, one way or the other. I, obviously, I loved the book uh, talking about Sasquatch as kind of this human quest. 
But something that really stood out to me was that when John was interviewing and, and speaking with really respectfully the First Nations tribes in this part of Canada, they were like, it's never occurred to us that anyone thinks that Sasquatch is a myth because it's part of the, their fa- daily fabric of reality. So they are shocked when other people don't think that Sasquatch is quote unquote real. Right. And so reality is partly what we what we kind of make of it. But, you know, we discover new species all the time. Granted, yes. not usually really tall primates, right. but we do discover new species all the time. And so I'm I'm uh, like 51 percent. Why not? But 49 percent. We would have discovered this already. And then but I think this is a lot of talking about conspiracy theories. Humans, we think so much of ourselves. Mm hmm. And then so little of ourselves <laughs> that we have to attribute, like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we have to attribute something to aliens instead of saying, no, that could be a work of human ingenuity. See, I have, I have two words, habeas corpus, right? Produce the body. Where, right. where, where is it? I mean, somewhere, someone must have a strand of hair, something that can be translated into DNA, Something that, I mean, something other than shadowy, you know, bad photographs or bad, you know, uh, eight millimeter film. It, there has to be something. And, and here's, this is the other thing, too, why I think that people want to hang on to this is because humanity is suspended somewhere in the balance between evolution and creation. And and so the, the, it, when, the, when the scales tip toward evolution, somebody wants to believe that, hey, there's this missing link, you know, the, what Darwin alluded to in his uh, theory on the origin of species. Okay, so this, this missing link, maybe the Sasquatch, maybe the Yeti, maybe some of the, one of these tall primates, like Katie said, that one of these guys or gals is the, the link between the, the uh, you know, the apes and the humans. And, and so we have this hope that we, that we find this link. And that's where I think, that's where I think that, uh, that people kind of fall into the, the trap of belief regarding Bigfoot. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing about that though, too. And I understand what you're saying. And that definitely is one of the arguments sort of against it is that here it is 2020 and we don't have any hard evidence and we don't have any dead bodies or skin samples or, you know, uh, a digit high quality digital, you know, video of like absolutely proof of it. So oh, that's a given. I give you that. But at the same time, um, you know, we have, we have, we have creatures like, for example, the woolly mammoth, which is a prehistoric creature, but we have found them frozen in Siberia and even other places where they still have skin and hair and uh, and we know that even they were contemporary with a lot of Native Amer- early Native Americans um, before many of the settlers got here. Uh, they were hunting uh, giant sloths, which are these massive creatures, and they hunted them to extinction. And, and again, that was within the last hundred years or so. So uh, I would say maybe over maybe what two hundred years or so. But um, at any rate, it's we know that there are creatures that are we would classify them as sort of prehistoric or. Uh, near prehistoric creatures, right? That have all died out, but but there were there is some overlap with some of them. So it's I don't think it's beyond the possibility that this could be uh, sort of a, a hominid ape like creature. Maybe it's an, even a completely different strain uh, of this creature that that has somehow survived and managed to maintain uh, secrecy. So, but again, 
Well, we're not going to know until we prove them. Yeah, and that, that that that's the place I'm coming at. It's like I'm not I'm not gonna. Um, there's not a hill I'm going to die on with this. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, until you show me the evidence, I'm totally doubting Thomas. And when it comes to if I was anyone in the Bible, I'd be doubting Thomas. I'd be like, all right, I got to touch it with my hand. I got to see it. I got to see the proof. And, and, and until then, I'm just going to, I'm going to remain a skeptic. And I, I don't know, for me, that's, that's a healthy place to be if, you know, um, so, but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, there's no way it's not, it's not like a logical impossibility. I think, I mean, evolution has shown that there are, there are creatures that are like bipedal non-humans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's totally possible, but. Yeah. Possible. But. Yes. Probable. Probably not. I don't know. That's what <laughs> that's, that's wrong. Derek, I mean, yeah, yeah. The last 20 pages of that book you're going to really like. Like he talks about metaphysics and interdimensionality in Sasquatch. Oh, like they're they're interdimensional time travelers. Oh yeah. yeah that's, that. Well, that's part of that's one of the conspiracy theories, but like like the uh-huh. idea of Sasquatch, you know, that's something we're always pursuing. Yeah. Oh, we might okay. be organizing it in our minds in this particular way that we now call a Sasquatch. Okay. You you have me at interdimensionality. I knew, I knew I would. <laughs> Well, the, um, you know, so it seems like Sasquatch is pretty low bar threshold for all four of us. So I'm keeping a running tally. Um, so Keith, I have you as a yes. Yes. There you go. I have, <laughs> have Matt and I squarely on the, eh, I don't know. And Derek, Derek I have you as a no. Derek's a okay. hell no. Uh, you know, let me, let me put it this way. The, 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 the bullshit quotient on it is very high. That's <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So this right. threshold is really low, but you know when we talk about something like flat Earth, the threshold is oh, is probably a lot higher, yes, and yeah. the consequences are a lot higher. So that's a conspiracy. See, to me, flat Here Earth is go. not actual conspiracy because, Ooh. but it's the stupidest one of all, I think. Well, and this this is the one that for me, it, when it comes to any conspiracy, I always have this approach: why and how many people. Right. are involved right and if you and, and for this one it's like <laughs> why the fuck is this happening right. and and how many people would be charged with guarding the damn ice wall it's like no, we, no. Need, we need millions of these fuckers because it's like well how how many and you i can't we can we can barely get five of us together to do a podcast on yeah. every other monday morning you're gonna put all these people together to put up this conspiracy it's gotta be all every every astronaut every astrophysicist right. I mean, get the fuck and out again, of here. And again, here, here's my thing about this this theory, too. On top of what you just said, and I think this is a test and a question for every conspiracy theory, but this one, especially this question, to me, just demolishes the whole stupid thing. Wh- who stands to gain? Like, what right. is the great loss if, if tomorrow NASA came out and said, all right, everybody, you caught us. The Earth is actually not round. It's flat. Like, Okay, who would lose their job? Who would lose power? Who would lose any control? Like yeah. most conspiracies are about a- you got to keep the secret because if people knew you would lose some kind of, you know, prestige or status or power or wealth or something. But no, there's nothing, there's nothing at stake. It doesn't it, it doesn't even make any sense. And and again, so there's not really any stakes that make any that matter. And like you said, Matt, every every airline pilot, every commercial airline pilot for every airline in every nation on this planet, we're talking thousands of them, they all have to know that the Earth is not actually a globe because they've flown all over the planet. And yet every one of them is willing to take this secret to their grave. To their grave, baby. But for what reason? <laughs> what do they gain or lose? Either way, it doesn't make any sense. It's the stupidest thing ever. You know, there was somebody that said that in order for the moon landing, and I'm kind of going off the reservation a little bit here, 
in order for the moon landing to have been fake. And, yeah, that, and it was. It was fake. Yeah. You, know that. You, you would need you would need absolute secrecy of about a million people uh-huh. in order to make that work. Yeah. A million people. And, and you have to figure that the moon landing is a very narrow slice of history. Mm. It, it's it, I mean, you know, what, what, what were they like? Seven, seven landings on the moon. Something like a, that. Yeah. And then there's also slice. Russia. Right. So there were Russian astronauts also, you know. Sending well, uh, things yeah, to I mean, orbit. They, they never actually went to the moon, though. That's that's the other thing. But they like, did that, orbit, didn't they? Send they sent something that orbited no, the moon. I think. No, no, no. Actually, the only the only humans that have actually even been to the no, moon. No, no, it was an unmanned probe. Is what I'm saying. It was an unmanned, yeah, unmanned probe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, I mean, heck, India has landed a probe on Mars on on the moon. So that you know, not really, not. But what I'm talking about is manned space travel to the moon. So if you say a million people just to cover this little slice of history, you would have to have a conspiracy requiring the absolute secrecy of literally billions of people. Billions. You know, billions of people that know and say, you know something? I, I, I'm just cool with not letting, with, with not letting everyone know that the world is flat. That, and, and that, you know, that, that drives my bullshit-o-meter you know, way off the chart. It's like it's it's like a Geiger car- counter that's just gone insane. You know, when, when people start talking about flat Earth, it's I, I just can't. You know, I mean, there are some people that I could I, okay, I can talk with you about some things because you know it, some of this is interesting, even if I don't believe it. But when you start talking about flat Earth, man, I I literally sail off the edge of the Earth on that one. <laughs> but, you know, part of what seems to be wrapped up in flat earth, like the religiosity of flat earth among like very fundamentalist, born again, evangelical, the the subgroup of the subgroup of the subgroup Mm -hmm. is that again, it's this human hubris to me because part, part of the reasoning is that the, yeah, the earth is flat, but it's not a flat disc sailing around in space. There is no space. Like literally the only thing that exists is the earth, the flat earth, and of course, that positions humans as the top pinnacle of creation that have not stewardship, but dominion of the earth. Mm. And so, again, to me, it's a conspiracy theory or, or a belief. It's, it's more of a belief than a conspiracy theory. They think that there is a conspiracy theory that the earth is round, right? But it's this belief that tries to position humans in this weird position within the universe. And I think the protest is that what what I in my reading the protest that I heard was we're not just a speck on a on a planet that's a speck in the universe and so there's this real discomfort yeah. with being insignificant it's putting earth back at the center of the universe because the bible puts us at the center of everything and then you're right and uh, it's sad to say that a lot of those flat earthers are uh king james only evangelical wacko christians who uh and see they're the ones who see a conspiracy they right. see a conspiracy because well this is science versus the bible this is satan and uh you know atheists versus god and the word of god which says that the bible is you know the bible says that the earth is the center of the universe and there's a dome and all that bullshit and and see that is just even more exposes the stupidity of this thing like it just makes me even more embarrassed for christianity that like here's a yet another stupid thing that non-believers can look at us and go, these people are just morons. Yeah. 
And I can definitely explain the dome theory of how how it's why why it appears in Genesis the way it appears. Please for the extra notes afterwards. Okay, we'll, we'll put that in the uh, yeah. The yeah. So if you're if you're not a Patreon supporter, you're going to want to check that out because exactly. Katie's going to drop some knowledge on us. But I mean, this this whole business about science versus Bible is just so absurd. I mean, the science was there before the Bible. Let's let's be honest. I mean, what? they were they were doing yes, they were no. they were. What? what? <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> Greeks were doing this. The the Greeks knew that the that the Earth wasn't round because when at at at, not, at noon o'clock, high noon. They had a well, and it shone straight oh, yeah. down to the bottom. But then, you know, I don't know how far, maybe a mile, maybe a couple miles, maybe it's 100 miles. I don't remember. <laughs> it's not that far. <laughs> it's not that far. But but it doesn't shine straight down, which means that the sun is really, 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 really close, or the earth is not flat. Mm-hmm. So so I, I know some of these wackadoos say that the the um, the sun is really only like what? A couple miles away, and it's really tiny. <laughs> I mean, no joke. That's I mean, the no joke. Thing to me. the there sun are some. Is yeah. only a couple of miles away. <laughs> I mean, it's some of those people say this shit. <laughs> oh but it's just like, okay, well, whatever, man. And it's just like hovering around this flat Earth, and it's just like, yeah, look, uh, whatever, man. Again, again, like, how many people are in on it to to dupe us? Every scientist, every look. scientist ever. Yeah. Wait, Matt, you seem very well read. What's what are stars? What are other stars besides the sun? Well, they're the I'm things so that fall to the they're the things that fall to the earth in the end of days. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you know they're, they're the it has to be literal. You're gonna catch they're them and put them in a box. Got flung from heaven. <laughs> Sorry, they're the third of the angels that got flung from heaven. Everybody yeah. Knows yeah. That. that tracks. That tracks. Okay, everybody knows that. Listen, um, just because some some moron named Pythagoras in the sixth century BCE in Greece, figured out by using this thing called math that <laughs> that the earth was round. I mean, come on. Uh, the flat, this flat earth thing, it can't be wrong because they have thousands of members all around the globe. It's I've, I've, I've seen that tweet. It's probably the funniest, <laughs> fucking, it's the funniest fucking tweet I've ever seen. And you know what? So many people join that. They join flat earth society because they want the free t-shirt and they wear it as a joke. They don't oh, yeah. think it's real. It's oh, a brilliant joke. Yeah. I was in the Navy for seven years, and 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 I've and I've sailed all over the fucking earth. So you've man. seen the ice wall. You saw the ice wall. I, I, listen, I've been I've been <laughs> above the Arctic Circle. I'm what they call a blue nose. That's a that's an actual Navy term. When you cross the Arctic Circle, you become a blue nose. And I've actually been off the coast of Antarctica. I've seen it at both ends. I've seen the the farthest east, the farthest west, the farthest north, the farthest south. And there is no fucking ice wall. <laughs> well, there is in the north and south. See, you didn't go far enough there, east and know, west. You know what? Listen, there, there's, there's, there's a a plane of ice, if you will, or there are mountains covered with ice, or there are glaciers or ice lakes. There are all all of those things exist, but an ice wall that actually prohibits you from sailing <laughs> over the edge. I'm, I'm here to tell you, as a seven year Navy veteran, that that simply doesn't fucking exist. You're in on the conspiracy, man. You're yeah. in on the conspiracy. Who you just told don't want you? To Who told out. you, Derek, to say that? Yeah, you're being paid off. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Illuminati told you they got you. They got another one. Listen, you know what? They don't pay me enough for my disability pension to say this. I say it because I fucking know. 
Yeah, so I think I think this one's unanimous that the four of us would say this is absolute bullshit. I got I got four check marks here. Yeah. <laughs> I got four check marks on my list. If any of our listeners take this seriously, I guess I apologize because we're just sort of mocking you mercilessly. No, no, we're mocking the idea, we're not all, the yeah, people. That's true. Okay. Right, I am mocking well, the idea. No, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna take the L on this one, guys. <laughs> no, we're 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 mocking you. That, yeah, but you know, again, I would say if they, if there's someone who's like kind of played around with this idea, right? There, there's nothing wrong with being a free thinker, exploring all ideas. I'm not a flat earther, just but I do you're, want us to have a T-shirt in the store if we could yeah, possibly you're, have you're, that. You're I, I need very, one now. You're a very um, educated person. You're very and very uh, methodical, but you know, there there there's a there's a thin line between you know a free thinker and. <laughs> What I'm saying is, who does the theory benefit? Right. Right. And if, if part of the problem is we feel too small and insignificant, that's mm. a worthwhile thing to explore. But not through this theory. Not through the theory, but like that, if that's the fear that people are um, not wanting to do that kind of deep interior work, then that's, I think that's a rich area of conversation. So listeners, Send us send us a text message so we can help you with that uh, interior journey. We would love to. I'll yeah, give you. Somebody's I would love to. You guys can call Matt and he can he'll help you out there. Yeah, I'll give you Ralph's uh, Ralph's email. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Do we, <laughs> we want to explore any others? We're we're I guess we're all in agreement there. For the first yeah. time on the Heretic Happy Hour, all the all the hosts agree. <laughs> Unanimous. Woo! That's a- Unanimous. Do we want to do a harp? H a a r H-A-A-R-P, that is the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Do we want to cover that one? I, I had to look this one up. It was not one I was all that familiar with, so I, I educated myself. But is it, does anyone know a lot about it and have strong feelings? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's basically, it's basically the, the premise behind it is weaponizing weather. Yes. And, and when, we, when we look at all of these you know, awesome hurricanes and, and tropical storms that are being formed, and they and they happen at greater frequency than they ever have. Of course, someone is tinkering with the weather. Come on, Katie. Come on, Matt. Come on, Keith. They're obviously <laughs> screwing with the weather. Don't it you know? Global, it can't be global warming or something. It can't be global warming. No, it's 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 these it's these radar arrays that they build in the That's... northernmost parts of the United States and Alaska, and they vibrate at a certain frequency. And listen, let me let me say this. I believe that that there is a way of, of weaponizing frequencies, and I do believe that there may even be some truth to weaponizing certain localized weather patterns. But when you when you talk about things on a on a global scale, on, on a, a, a hemispherical scale, eh, that's that's when my bullshit detector goes off again. Well, and see, and see, for me. Uh, the 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 mark of a good conspiracy is that there's nuggets of truth in it. Mm-hmm. So so I think I think um, I think it's been shown that we've tried to do like cloud seeding yes. to to try to c- combat um, climate change. So so that's a nugget of truth that we are able to try these things out. And it's it's that's not really the, the conspiracy is that like there's this cabal that's like mm-hmm. killing us killing us with the weather and chemtrails probably gets into some kind of this stuff too. Oh yes, where it's like. Again, I mean, you're taking maybe nuggets of truth and then you're putting together 150 non sequiturs and then you're getting to, you're just off the planet all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. The flat, the flat planet, of course. Of course, the whole, 
the flat planet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, wait, I think, do I'm, flat earthers have conspiracies about harp? Because that has to be a Venn diagram that I need to see. That's there's got to be. That would be. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I don't know that there's much overlap there, but um, I think I kind of like what you were saying, Derek. Um, I, I I wouldn't rule it out that it would be possible for you know us to use some kinds of microwave energy or I don't know what they're supposed to be using, whatever it is, to to impact the weather. And like you were saying, Matthew, we know that there have been attempts to do similar things, you know, um, to do good, to do something good. Um, but, but I, so I guess for me, the jury's out on whether or not that technology exists or not. Um, but I, I guess I've not seen anything to make me believe that there is some sort of a, and a real, a real conspiracy where, you know, that people are actually, here's one thing that I think is ridiculous. I think I did hear one time someone was saying, there was a, it was a couple of years ago, there was a really bad uh, hurricane that hit Florida and, um, and someone said, oh, this was HARP. And I said, well, wait a minute. Isn't HARP like an Amer- a U.S.-based? And, and they're like, yeah. Like, so wait a minute. You're saying we weaponize something against ourselves? Like why? I mean, if we sent it against a, our enemy, maybe. But like, I, it seems like all these hurricanes are kicking the crap out of American cities. So it doesn't. that part yeah. makes no sense to me. Well, it didn't. But see, this is where the nugget of truth is helpful and problematic all at the same time. Right. Governments test on their citizens. That's true. Time, all yeah. the time. Yeah. In very yeah. damaging ways. You know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not into a harp conspiracy and I don't think we yet have the ability to control the weather. And if we do, we're doing a poor job. Of <laughs> Pretty <it>. bad job. <laughs> this is, this is an ineffective uh, experiment so far, but this is where we can get down. This is where I can totally see how people can get down a rabbit hole, especially when something is seemingly shrouded in secrecy. Like people believe that harp is, it's in a big barbed wire facility in Alaska and people don't feel like there's transparency. Uh, When I looked at the funding, it seemed like, it seemed like they were okay funded, but not Mm -hmm. crazy funded either. Um, And so some of that lack of transparency may just be, they don't have a lot of money or people and how to do that. And so that's, this is where the rabbit holes can begin because we do see that governments can do damage to people. They don't always have our best interests at heart. I don't think they're causing earthquakes though. They're not that sophisticated. No. You know, our government's how not did, that, that smart. Like, yeah. How does it, how does it go from the weather to earthquakes? Like that's the, what? It's the whole frequency thing, Keith. Um, if, you can, if you can trigger the right frequencies, you can generate earthquakes, the same thing. I, I I'm say, not a meteorologist, but I think that web, like global warming does increase frequency of earthquakes. Yeah. But you know what, uh, Katie, you mentioned Venn diagrams, you know, and, and, and I just wanted to throw something in there. It was just completely corny that, um, you know, if you want to see a Venn diagram, you know, you're so Venn, you probably think this conspiracy is all about you. Oh, boy. Wow. Where's the trombone? Right back to the 80s and 90s. I'm Maybe. loving it. So... Here's what I want to say to me about this harp conspiracy thing. Um, and I, cause Wendy and I were talking about this last night and um, I, I said, you know what, here's the thing to me about this harp thing. Um, and this might even apply to several other sort of quasi government conspiracy theories. Now, look, if you are the government and you do have a top secret program that you don't want anyone to know about, you know what you don't do is tell the whole freaking world what it's called and where it is and what you're doing. Um, for example, area 51 for, decades was no one even knew what it was. You never even heard of it. Even when the words, the the name slipped out, no one knew where it was 
or anything. It's not like, in other words, it's not like the government said, hey, everybody, we got this thing it's called Area 51, and here's where it is on the map. And, you know, we do, we test uh, top secret airplanes over there all the time. And yeah, that's what we do over there. No, you don't do that. If you're trying to keep something, honestly keep something a secret, then you don't, you know, like publicize. Here's the name of this program. Here's how it's funded. Here's where it's located. Here's it's related. To, here's how the kind of general area we're working on. And then now you want to keep some all that stuff a secret? Like it doesn't make sense. It's just dumb. Nope. Oh, you know, one other thing that I was just considering with HARP, with, you know, any anything where we try to put responsibility of unfortunate, tragic things that happen to the earth, to people, to to the planet means to me that we're trying to pass the buck. And I say that collectively because it's really, it's much easier to say, oh my gosh, harp is causing an earthquake or yeah. harp is causing flooding rather than saying, actually, those are some of that is just part of what it is to be on the planet. And then part of that are results of human actions and that we could take responsibility for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about yeah. you give up your internal combustion engine and your air conditioning there, you selfish bastard? <laughs> Not when, it's this, not when it's this hot, over. man. Not no. when it's this hot. Yeah, but uh, all right. Well, gosh, was was this a good way to kick off the conspiracy theory uh, think, series or what? Oh, wait, I need your yeses and nos on harp. Oh, um, I, I'm a I'm a no. I'm a no. Um, I think I'm definitely a no. Yeah, this one ranks right up there with the flat Earth for me. So no, me nothing ranks up with the flat Earth. <laughs> <laughs> we need some swag or something like yeah. we all agree on these two things i'll keep a running list throughout the series okay our swag can be uh heretic happy hour we're all sheeple because <laughs> we buy in we buy into the, yeah. the standard government truth hey get that same get get that same caricature of all four of us but as sheep but as sheep <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> all right well I would love to keep going. We are going to keep going, of course, in our Patreon. But I want to tell our listeners that we do have a website. We do have swag. Uh, we do have merch. We got hats, sweatshirts, T-shirts. We even got pillows. So go check out heretichappyhour.com. Stay up to date on releases and check out our store. You will not regret it. We also have two Facebook groups. We would love to have everyone join Heresy After Hours, free, open to everyone. Uh, podcast, all podcast listeners are there. We have great conversations. And occasionally one of us will do a Facebook Live or something like that. We all four interact with the group all the time. And our Patreon group is exclusive for our Patreon members, for our patrons. And we really interact with the group in there. We love interacting. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yeah, and we'd love to answer all your tough questions. I might even do a Facebook Live whenever this airs about Genesis 1 and the Dome. Ooh, sweet. Yes, and hey, by the way, thank you all of you who support us on Patreon. We just really, all all of us want to just say, it means a lot to us because, you know, we, we love this podcast. We have so much fun doing it. We cannot wait to share with you every time a new episode comes out. We love hearing your reactions. We love hearing your your feedback in the, uh, the Heretic Happy Hour Facebook group. And, and we especially, because we appreciate it so much, um, we've decided to kind of go back and uh, add some new tiers and, and change some of the bonuses that you get, some of the some of the sort of thank yous that we provide for each people at each of the tiers. Um, so head on over to the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. You'll notice that the $2 level uh, is stayed the same, but we've added a $10 level. Um, that's brand new. And uh, under that level, you'll get uh, PDFs of all of our books um, or a lot of our books from choir. And um, we've got a, uh, we have a $24, sorry, $25 level 
or there's Zoom calls where um, every week one of us will post a uh, sort of a, a special video where we'll expand on a, uh, a topic and you've got to get, kind of get to hear from each of us, uh, a different one of us each week um, at that level. And uh, the $100 level is going to be the same as well. But go over there and check it out. If you're not a supporter yet, please do because we always record bonus uh, podcast content, bonus interview footage uh, to share with everybody who supports us on Patreon. Go over there and check it out. And again, thank you very, very much for your support. And I want to let you guys know that you can go and visit iTunes and you can rate this podcast. And we really would love for you to give us the very best, the very highest rating. And not just because we think we're swell people or anything, but there is some really, there's some very hard work and very loving, painstaking work that goes into making this podcast interesting, informative, and fucking funny. So give (laughs) us five stars because we are the shit, okay? We're not sheeple. We're not sheeple. We're not sheeple. Puts, I feel like this puts the parable of the lost sheep in a whole new light. Yep. That's right. I, I, I like it. I think it's funny when Christians call people sheep. It's like, wait a second. Mm. They know. They my sheep. They know my voice. Yeah. Right. Uh, Did you call a shepherd? I don't know. Right. <laughs>